the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we're all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business, and I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website at shalomklein.com. And while you are there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Shalom Klein. It's going to be a bit jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss, so let's jump right in. I'm so thrilled and honored to be joined by uh, Dr. Christopher uh, Kalenda, who is the founder of the Strategic Leaders Academy, uh, a retired Army colonel, and uh, he has a PhD in war studies from King's College in London and is the author of Zero-Sum Victory, What We're Getting Wrong About War, a very timely topic, as well as leadership, the warrior's art. Uh, Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you, Shalom. It's delightful to be here with you. Absolutely. It's an honor to have you. So uh, first, I always love to get to know the person behind the microphone. I just shared a little bit about your bio, and I know you've been featured um, in New York Times bestselling books lists, as well as many media outlets. But why did you become so passionate about leadership in general? And of course, thank you for your service. And just tell us high level a little bit about why you're so passionate about what you do. Uh, thanks, Shalom. And likewise, uh, thank you for yours. Uh, I know that you're, uh, you're currently serving as well. So uh, it's great to be on with another veteran. I mean, I was, uh, I was bullied in high school pretty relentlessly and had the opportunity to go to West Point. And that's where I developed a passion for leadership and a passion for, first of all, being able to make sure I was never in a position again where I'd be bullied. And Secondly, uh, equally important is to make sure that um, people around me and people I cared about uh, and people who I was, um, yeah, I was supposed to lead weren't bullied either. And, and so that uh, all put me on this, this journey. And I was very fortunate to have served in the army for 24 and a half years. Uh, and, um, you know, that included several deployments to Afghanistan uh, you can read about uh, some of that in Jake Tapper's best-selling book, The Outpost. And then after I resigned from the government and I started my own leadership consulting business, and uh, I've loved every minute of it ever since. That's awesome. Uh, again, thank you. That's fantastic. And, you know, on on the screen um, in in my room over here, I'm, I'm playing uh, CNN and I've uh, got uh, Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky uh, playing uh, out there in the background. And he certainly has, has come across as a, what many would say, that term leader, uh, the leader that his country needs. And certainly we're looking at uh, folks like Russian President Vladimir Putin, um, looking at what his leadership means. So what does leadership mean to you? And how should we be looking at history going back all the way to Alexander the Great 
uh, to look at who is a leader and what who is the right leader. Yeah, leadership is, or leadership means to inspire people to contribute their best to your team's success. And across history, that's that's what you see as as good and effective leadership. And every part of that is is vital. So leadership means to inspire. It doesn't mean to, to coerce. So people are following you voluntarily rather than under threat of punishment or because you're dangling some carrots in front of them. Uh, second, you are inspiring them to contribute their best. So bringing out their very best, helping them contribute their best and most authentic selves uh, lending their superpowers to the success of your organization, and then to do it uh, for a broader purpose, which is which is your team's success, your company's success, your army's success, your organization's success, and so that's what leadership is is all about. And you know what's vital is leaders get good at getting better. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, again, I'm chatting with the author of Zero Sum Victory, What We're Getting Wrong About War. And Chris, that's that's a really great segue into talking about uh, business, um, because that's who our listeners are. Uh, everybody's looking to build the, the, the effective, use that term, effective leadership and an effective organization. You already use that term, a buy-in, getting the key to, uh, to leadership is, is, is key. Uh, to getting that buy-in around tough decisions, difficult changes. So what would you say, not to share all the secrets of the book, what are, what's some of the key things that you would recommend for uh, business owners, entrepreneurs that are tuning in uh, to how they can demonstrate effective leadership within their own companies and organizations? Well, I call it the ABCs of high performance. Uh, and those are accountability buy-in, which you just mentioned, and, and clarity. Uh, so I'll, I'll start with the C, a clarity, be clear about your organization's common good. And by your organization's common good, I mean, your not, not only your mission and vision, but your, your standards and expectations and your values. What does, what does right look like in terms of performance and behavioral standards? What does unacceptable look like? What does awesome look like? So be very clear about that. There's a direct correlation between expectations and results. Um, second, the, the B is 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 for buy-in. Uh, so people, you you want people to be intrinsically motivated um, to buy-in, and we can talk a bit about how you gain gain buy-in because it's it's vital to uh, to this process. And then third is uh, the A is accountability. So um, you know, people need to feel accountable, answerable to. Not only to to the the leadership, but to one another, you know, to their peers, to their subordinates, and to themselves. And so, when you've got when you've got all three in place, you're going to have a high performing organization. Um, if you're missing accountability, then you're going to just keep backsliding. You're going to be inconsistent. If you're missing buy in, then you're just going to have compliance, and people are never going to provide their discretionary effort. And of course, without clarity, people are going to feel like they're spinning in circles. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's interesting, both you and I, uh, having put the uniform on, certainly we've seen good leaders, some not so great leaders we've seen in business, we've seen in, in the world, watching the news for sure. Um, we see we see who effective leaders are. And I agree with every word that you just said in terms of the ABCs. Um, and uh, you, you, you know, you, you follow great leaders into into anything. 
and you know that they are empowering you. And is, I love that buy-in. That's, that's certainly going to be my big takeaway. So you've written the book, Zero Sum Victory. What are some of the key highlights, um, certainly as it relates to current affairs, as well as uh, some of the other things that, that if our listeners remember nothing else from this conversation that you want them to take away? Yeah, two takeaways I'd like to highlight. The first one is, is you mentioned uh, Ukraine and, and President Zelensky. I think leaders are, if they want to inspire people to contribute their best, they need to be exemplars. They need to be modeling the behavior they want everybody else to follow. And so you contrast the Afghan president, Ashraf Ghani, uh, a year ago, almost a year, a year ago today, um, as the Taliban are, are, are moving in and he and his leaders just seem to steal away in the middle of the night, taking the money and run him. And, and then the whole thing collapses like a, like a house of cards. Zelensky uh, in Ukraine, when offered the opportunity to, to escape, he said, I don't want to ride. I want more ammunition. And so he, through force of example, was able to rally the, the, his people behind defending their, their territory, whereas, whereas the Afghan military just simply collapsed. So, so that would be the first one. The second piece, and, and the reason to read Zero Sum Victory, is I, I looked at the wars in Afghanistan, Iraq, and Vietnam, and we keep making the same unforced errors and own goals. And I think complacency is doing the same thing over and over again and um, expecting the same results. Because when your adversaries are innovating, you're just simply going to fall further and further behind. And, and, and we saw that in each of the three conflicts mm -hmm. where we kept doing the same things over and over again. Our adversaries innovated and suddenly we found ourselves in untenable Absolutely. positions. Absolutely. Well, there, there's some very clear takeaways, and I've certainly learned uh, a lot about leadership in our conversation. Running uh, close to the end of our time together, and I want to make sure our listeners know where they can pick up a copy of Zero Sum Victory, as well as Leadership, the Warriors Art, as well as learn all about the Strategic Leaders Academy. Chris, can you share your, uh, your website and contact information? Absolutely. The, the books are available anywhere great books are, are sold. Um, in terms of the, our website is uh, strategicleadersacademy.com. And if you're interested in the 1,700-mile bicycle ride that I'm taking to visit the graves of the six paratroopers from a unit who were killed in action in Afghanistan, uh, you can go to honorride.us. So that's not honorride.com, but honorride.us as in <laughs> United States. <laughs> Fantastic. Thank you again, uh, Chris Ferricolenda. Appreciate you joining us. Again, the founder of the Strategic Leaders Academy. Uh, and that's a wrap for us here on this conversation. But coming up, we're going to continue our conversation all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You don't want to touch that dial. Got more Get Down to Business when we return in just a moment. Be sure to visit my website, shalomkline.com. We'll be right back. Thank you so much for having me, Shalom.
Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. I'm thrilled to be joined by Dr. Kimberly Jansen, CEO of Jansen Associates, talent and organizational development company. And Kim was named a top 10 thought leader, top 10 executive coach, and top 10 inspirational leader. That's a lot of top 10s every year. And together with a colleague, uh, she has written uh, Demystifying Talent Management um, and uh, and uh, also Determining Leadership Potential, Powerful Insights to Winning at the Talent Game, which uh, is just out in literally a few days. Kim, welcome to the program. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really pleased to be here. Absolutely. It's exciting. Um, so research has shown that many leaders aren't thinking about determining leadership potential at all. It's sort of just living in the moment. Um, what do we need to do to get through the day? But I know in your book, again, it's called Determining Leadership Potential, Powerful Insights to Winning at the Talent Game. You uh, you talk a lot about um, the, the struggle to pick good leaders. So, Kim, let's start with a little bit of background on you. How did you become so passionate about this topic of leadership and leadership potential? I've had the pleasure of working with some really great companies who do this work really well. I have spent more than 20 years at Heinz, the ketchup company, uh, senior level at Bank of America, chief talent officer, chief diversity officer at Hasbro. I have a master's in teaching, a master's in organizational development, and a PhD in business. And I've committed myself to helping organizations and people be their best self. And at the core is leadership. And so it was a natural metamorphosis for me to be so passionate about this space. Well, that's that's fantastic. So as I said uh, earlier, together uh, with Dr. Melody Rawlings, um, who is a business professor and doctoral chair, and director of the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations at North Central University, wrote this fantastic read. So in the book, we're not going to have time to go too deep into it, um, but you talk about uh, the top 10 reasons that people struggle to consistently pick good leaders, and specifically for our audience, small business crowd, why is it so challenging to find the good ones? I think a couple of reasons rise to the top. One is there is not a consistent lens by which we are thinking and talking about this. And without a consistent frame of reference, the result is a tremendous amount of variation of what people are looking for as they work their way through an organization. I did three studies. The studies were different. One, a case study of a real estate industry the second, a global quantitative study, and the third study was with more than 50 CEOs across the world. And the facts remain the same. We're using all different lenses. There's a tremendous amount of variation. And we're looking at things that are not true indicators of potential. Decision-making, delegating, those are not indicators of potential of whether someone can be a good leader. We're also looking at performance, which is not an indicator. It's only an indicator if the role's the same. So those are some of the highlights that rise to the top about why we consistently are getting this wrong. Wow, absolutely. And it's interesting, as you argue in the book, that performance is often used as a key criteria for leadership, um, but it really is not. It's really not a key criteria, and, and, and that's the challenge that often um, I think is is unique in this environment of uh, of, of searching for talent. So when we talk about talent, um, you, you argue that bias frequently impacts talent management. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
you know, as humans, we survive based on preferences and biases. We make decisions quickly about, even even from the start of time, about avoid that or um, flex here because that's a dangerous situation. If we had to rethink every piece of data that was put in front of us as at a first time every time, we would be stuck. And the research shows that we start to have preferences right from the birth. And the reality is, based on who we spend our time with, our socialization, our personality, we have preferences. So biases are a natural part of who we are, but when they are unchecked or we operate based on assumptions, then that creates barriers in terms of how we think about people. And there's a lot of negative ways in which we do that. We make rules about how effective people are based on how they look, their physical features. Uh, there's some <laughs> great research that says if you submit a resume that's equal in, sim- you know, in the same way, and it's a man and a woman, the male will get the nod. And more so if the woman lists a higher GPA. And we're just, we've got some crazy things going on in terms of patterns of behavior that are both unconscious or implicit biases, and then, of course, conscious biases. And so the trick is to not narrow our talent pool by unmanaging, not managing these biases, but to really cough them up, take a look, say, are these things true, and then work to dispel anything that is, is just not true. Absolutely. Again, I'm chatting with Dr. Kimberly Jensen, CEO of the Jensen Associates, a talent and organizational development company. uh, And her new book is called Determining Leadership Potential, Powerful Insights to Winning at the Talent Game. And Kim, I have to ask, um, realizing that we're talking to a entrepreneurial audience, are the same principles in leadership true of both big organizations and small organizations? Or is there sort of a, a, a different uh, secret sauce for, for different types of organizations? It's a great question. I have found that there are a lot of core principles that must be true and actually become even more true for small smaller organizations. And if we think about what the determinants are of leadership potential, and if you read the book, you'll find that I lean on four comes out of something called the Leadership Blueprint. It's a great piece of work done by Alan Church, who's the head of talent at PepsiCo, and his his partner in that work, Rob Siltzer. And they say, take a look at intelligence and personality because it's fixed. And people don't become smarter. They get more knowledge, but you, you can't change that at all. Personality's largely fixed, so watch out for derailers. Also, motivation and learning agility, you can't control that. The, pe- the person has to control that. And so you want to hire for those things. When you have a small company, those become even more important. And I really saw that as I do work around the world. I've worked on the ground in more than 40 countries because the people in emerging markets are similar to those smaller businesses, have the needs around entrepreneurs where we don't have great funding, where you have to be grittier, et cetera. Those elements become even more important than when you have a bigger company or a more developed country because you have less opportunities to make sense, make mistakes rather. And so you need to make good bets and these indicators become even more vital. Absolutely. Again, chatting with Dr. Kimberly Jensen, 
about the book, Determining Leadership Potential. And uh, as we come to a close in our conversation, I have to ask, um, as we have this conversation in the latter half of 2022, where we certainly had an an experienced an interesting year so far, and I, I thought nothing can be more interesting than the 2020 and 2021. But as it talks about, as we talk about uh, leadership, as we talk about employment, as we talk about talent, certainly it's been an interesting period of time. Kim, what would you, uh, if you were to take out that crystal ball, what were you to, what would you anticipate um, looking ahead in? terms of companies looking for talent is uh do we have a, a good glide path forward or or are there uh, rocky times ahead i think we've got some headwinds in front of us and i think we're in a leadership crisis whether you see the churn through the economy uh recovering from the pandemic the challenges around the global dynamics and government etc we don't have enough good leaders yet to help us navigate that. And we're in a talent shortage. More than 10,000 baby boomers every single day turn 65. So people are leaving the workforce in droves. We've got the great resignation going on where people feel like they want to make different choices for them. So if our pool is smaller, but our needs are greater, then we have a real conundrum. And so Companies need to buckle down and oh, really yeah. dig in to choose the right people Absolutely. and then develop them well. Absolutely. Kim, you've already shared so much with us about leadership and leadership potential. Uh, and uh, I know you've got a lot more about the leadership blueprint in your book, uh, which I want to send our listeners to. So how can people get in touch with you, your team, and uh, pick up a copy of the book? Thanks for asking. A couple of ways. Certainly through all the major uh, publishing distribution centers such as uh, Amazon and bookstores. We also built a resource for folks because we care so much about that. It's called DeterminingLeadershipPotential.com. We'll keep adding to it. They can reach me directly through JansenAssociates.com or Kim at JansenAssociates.com or our number, which is 866-WE-UNLEASH. Okay, fantastic. Kim Jansen, thanks so much. The book is Determining Leadership Potential. Websites, DeterminingLeadershipPotential.com and JansenAssociates.com. Got to squeeze in a quick break here and get down to business. More when we return, so don't touch that dial. We'll be right back. Small business stop and entrepreneurship. We're back, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Eric uh, uh, Dinovent, um, who is an author, speaker, consultant, and serial entrepreneur. He's been in the financial service industry for over two decades, working with top wealth advisors, and has received many, many, many accolades about uh, business and finance. So, Eric, welcome to the program. Thanks for joining us on Get Down to Business. Shalom. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Absolutely. No, it's a pleasure. I've read a lot about you and your background. Um, so serial entrepreneur, I love to hear uh, your uh, your background and how you became so passionate about uh, shaking things up and making a difference in business. Well, I, I call myself the mindset disruption strategist, and it really comes down to this idea that I have this knack for looking at business and just saying, hey, you know, my, my favorite motto is if it's not broke, break it. And so from a business standpoint, I've just found myself constantly looking at different businesses and saying, hey, what if we looked at a different way to do this? 
what if we looked at a different way to to serve the public and turn it into a success and it just keeps turning into other businesses over time that's kind of the serial entrepreneur part of that i love it absolutely uh keep keep breaking things which is great so i i, I want to sort of dive deep so we can share uh lessons learned and and some of your subject matter expertise with our listeners so what does being a serial entrepreneur mean as it relates to success and uh and and failure what what has worked really well for you and what what pitfalls would you want our listeners to avoid? Well, I guess if you're going to, the one thing I would say regarding being a serial entrepreneur is the number one thing that I think when it comes to success or failure is most people are so afraid of failing, they don't even start. Um, so like the very first business that my wife and I opened together was a children's clothing line that was specifically focused on collegiate clothing, but we opened it in like 2000. 2001, um, if we were 10 or 15 years later, that would have been an incredibly successful business. Um, but we failed at it. And along the way, just learning about customer service, learning about things that, that could go wrong inside of that. And if we had never started, like all the lessons wouldn't have come to us. And I think that's really the biggest downfall that most people have is they're too scared to get off the sidelines and it's okay to fail. That's great advice. And again, I'm chatting with the serial disruptor over here. And I mean that in the most uh, in the most positive way possible, the mindset disruption strategist. Eric, you uh, you've got a lot going on. You share all of it with our listeners and with uh, with the world at large. Tell us a little bit about your book and some of your other uh, mechanisms that you're sharing information. Yeah, so I've actually got two books. So I wrote a book a number of years ago called What If We've Been Doing It All Wrong? Again, kind of back to this idea of mindset disruption. It's a financial book really focused on what if the mindsets and the way that we approach finance need to be readjusted and, and rethought out. And it really comes down to this idea that when we think about money, most of the time we think about how much we can make, not the impact that the money can flow through us to make. And so that's what that book's about. But I wrote, my wife and I just released a second book for kids or maybe for parents to share with their kids called I Crashed in Backwardsville, which is just an opportunity to teach the same philosophies and ideas to your kids to really just show them the impact that the resources that we've all been given can be used to make on the rest of the world. And so, you know, those two books together to me are really kind of the key point of helping people disrupt mindsets because I found, and especially with the kids book, the younger you start, the more opportunity you have to, to really make a difference on the next generation. I love that you're sharing uh, again with both adults, kids. Uh, congrats to you and your wife on that new release, which is great. So if there's one thing that you want our listeners to remember from this conversation, from a serial entrepreneur, from the mindset disruption strategist, what would it be? Yeah, I think my my biggest piece of advice is to stop, slow down, and the word that I use is redefine success, meaning don't let the rest of the world tell you what success means. Take a step back and figure out what you want it to mean for yourself, and then set small goals along the way to get to where you want to go, because if you don't take control of that mindset for yourself, the rest of the world has what I like to call this unconscious manipulation plan to help you end up somewhere else. That's great. Uh, you know, Chris or Eric, rather, we're, we're running uh, close to the end of our time uh, together. And I want to make sure our listeners can get in touch with you, uh, pick up a copy of the book, uh, subscribe to your podcast and get in touch with all of the wonderful streams of information that you're sharing, as well as, of course, schedule time to talk with you. Eric, what's yeah. the best way for us to get a hold of you and your team? 
Yeah, the best way to do that is to go to ericl360.com, ericl360. And the reason that's a beautiful place, you got access to my podcast, to my YouTube channel, social media. You can you can schedule an appointment to visit with me. Um, you know, all of that is available right there, Eric L360. And from there, just decide what is the best point of contact to stay in touch with the things that I'm doing. Absolutely. And I know you call it your 360 network because you've got a lot of, uh, a lot of platforms that you're using. And my guess is two books, there's probably going to be a third one. And that's probably the best way uh, for our listeners to subscribe and get in touch with you so they can, uh, they can follow all of that. Eric, really appreciate you sharing your, uh, your website, your, uh, all of the advice, ericl360.com. That's where you can get in touch with our amazing guest. And Eric, I look forward to having you back on real soon. But coming up after the break, we've got more small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Um, you could always subscribe, rate, review, and share on Get Down to Business. Just go to your favorite podcast app and search for Get Down to Business or visit my website, shalomkline.com. But uh, we'll be right back. So don't touch that. You're listening to the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Jobs and Entrepreneurship. I am so excited to be joined by Thomas Earl, who together with co-author Roger Stuffers um, has written The Field Guide to Digital Transformation, something I am so passionate about and I'm so excited to converse about with, uh, again, Thomas Earl. And Thomas, I know, has a uh, very impressive uh, background. He's a best-selling author, is affiliated with Arcatura Education, as well as Transformative Digital, and we're going to talk about both of those companies. We're going to talk about the field guide to digital transformation. Thomas, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, it is a pleasure. So, uh, we know that digital transformation has uh, taken both business and technology communities by the storm. Um, and, you know, there's been so many changes in recent time. And so, I love a field guide, a field guide, making it as simple as possible to digital transformation. But Thomas, I love to get to know the person behind the microphone. How did you become so passionate about this topic? Well, I noticed over the past few years, um, there's been a lot of ambiguity around the term digital transformation. It's been used a lot to hype things, to um, to represent trends, uh, and it's been used a bit too loosely and that's a dangerous thing because organizations, when they um, embark on these types of strategic initiatives where they adopt new digital technology, they restructure their internal organizations, departments, and, uh, and uh, their teams to become more customer-centric and to leverage some of this new technology to be more competitive, they need a clear understanding of what their target state, what their goals really um, need to be in order to ensure that they can measure their success. So when there's ambiguity around a term like that um, and a lack of meaning, then that introduces risk with those types of projects. So I, I felt really strongly about putting something together that clearly defined what digital transformation is and is not in very concrete terms and provided guidance for organizations to achieve those goals. 
Oh, absolutely. So again, the book is called The Field Guide to Digital Transformation. You say concrete, but actually what, I, what I've discovered is uh, actually pretty visual as well. Um, and it's pretty plain English for both business and IT professionals alike. So let's talk about The Field Guide to Digital Transformation. You've got a couple of, call it different sections within the book. So the first book, uh, I know you focused on business-centric topics. Without sharing all of the secrets of the Field Guide to Digital Transformation, uh, Thomas, can you uh, walk us through what people can expect if they are to pick up a copy of the book? Yeah, absolutely. It, it was offered for both um, business and technology-minded professionals because what we're seeing with the adoption of digital technology is a convergence of technology and business. People who were business centric in the past now have to become business technology professionals because they have to understand a greater extent of the technology in order to succeed. There's a, the digital markets out there are becoming so volatile and competitive because um, with the adoption of these new technologies, our organizations are able to muscle their way into digital markets much faster and much more uh, impactfully than previously, and other organizations are often caught off guard by that. It disrupts existing markets because other organizations can take advantage of these new technologies and practices so aggressively, and so then other organizations find themselves having to catch up, and it goes back and forth, and trying to survive in these markets is very difficult, and we will become increasingly so over time. So there's a lot of guidance in terms of how to actually approach this successfully, and then what technologies specifically to focus on. Okay, so technology. So for those uh, folks that uh, might be pretty ignorant like myself, um, there's a lot of terms that we hear thrown around like blockchain, and we hear about artificial intelligence or AI, uh, cloud computing, all these things that, you know, high in the sky and maybe things that we don't know a lot about. So, you know, for, for somebody like myself that's passionate about business, but wants to obviously stay current, First of all, how have those areas evolved? Uh, and let's talk about COVID. Let's talk about over this period of these past two and a half years of, uh, it seems like transformation is happening endlessly. What has changed from 2019 to as we have this conversation in mid-2022? Well, I think <clears throat> the biggest change has been um, an ongoing shift toward uh, a reliance upon data intelligence and artificial intelligence within how organizations, how businesses automate what they do. Uh, this is continuing to grow and it's very interesting. For some it's very scary, but overall it's quite exciting because by leveraging AI to automate our business, we can actually um, delegate decision-making to a greater extent to our systems. We can allow them to make decisions on our behalf, which allows them to perform more rapidly and efficiently. <clears throat> and with AI technology, they can learn from the outcome of their own decisions to continue to improve how they operate. At the same time, there's a lot of risk involved because if you don't model these AI systems correctly, then they can start making incorrect decisions very quickly and can uh, make, very, uh, uh, make a lot of incorrect decisions over time that can cause damage to the organization. So mm -hmm. it's important that it is modeled and um, integrated correctly into your uh, business. But when it's done so, it's very, very successful in allowing organizations to take strides ahead of competitors.
Sure. Again, I'm chatting with Thomas Earl, best-selling author and the series editor of the Pearson Digital Enterprise Series um, from Thomas Earl. He is the founder of and senior advisor with Transformative Digital Solutions and also the CEO of Architura Education. We're going to continue our conversation with Thomas Earl uh, about the uh, this incredible field guide to digital transformation. When we return and get down to business in just a moment, I've got a lot more questions to ask. If you don't want to miss the conversation, don't touch that tile. We'll be right back and get down to business. Hey, welcome back. I'm continuing my conversation with the co-author of Field Guide to Digital Transformation. Yes, that's right. I'm chatting with Thomas Earl, who together with co-author Roger Stuffers um, wrote this Field Guide to Digital Transformation. We've been talking about, you know, how things have evolved, how things have changed. We've been talking about some of the common terms that are thrown around. But one of the terms that I didn't get to, and honestly, I'm a little bit confused by it, is this term disruptive. That sounds like uh, something that my parents would, would call me uh, as, a, as a child, that I was being disruptive. But, you know, I'm curious how that relates to, uh, to digital transformation and, and business and small business in particular. Thomas, can you uh, enlighten us? Yeah, the term disruptive, what it refers to is when you have an established marketplace, and you have a business that muscles its way into that marketplace, often unexpectedly, it disrupts the market. It shakes things up and all of a sudden requires all of the other players in the market to uh, adapt to that and to respond to it. And it's, it's something that most businesses that pursue digital transformation aim to become. They either want to disrupt an existing market in which they are not yet dominant, or they want to enter a whole new market altogether, which becomes possible when they move to a more digital-centric market. Um, And by entering a whole new market as a new competitor, uh, and by doing so successfully, by actually making an impact, they, they disrupt that market. So when organizations do that, they become the disruptors. That's the desirable outcome of this. But those that don't, those that are um, impacted by this are the disrupted. Those are the ones that have to often scramble to respond. Okay, so disruptive isn't necessarily a uh, thing. So that's, uh, I love it, and that's great. So, you know, I have to ask in our remaining couple of minutes over here, as we have this conversation again in mid-2022, with the co-author of a field guide to digital transformation, Thomas Earl. Thomas, I have to ask, um, where do you fork things going? Uh, in 2025, if we are to have this conversation again, what are some of your predictions for the future? Well, a big part about, uh, of digital transformation is a reliance on data intelligence. So um, data intelligence can be what fuels AI systems to um, act independently on our behalf, as I explained, but also data intelligence is um, very meaningful and insightful um, information that decision makers, human decision makers, also use to navigate their businesses. So I think that between now and 2025, many organizations will be going back and forth in these markets, but those that leverage these technologies and practices the best will likely end up battling enough to become more dominant and will find ways to uh, preserve that dominance. But what I think will happen also over a three-year time span is that 
new technology innovation will continue to de uh, be developed and there will be future generations of um, artificial intelligence and data intelligence producing systems, data science systems, that will always allow other organizations to um, disrupt markets already dominated by others. So I think it'll go back and forth for a while, but the fact that all of this is available to any organization, small, medium, or large, opens the door for them to enter markets and become disruptors. So I think that as long as they understand that opportunity and take the time to learn about digital transformation, the associated practices and technologies, that opportunity will always be available to them. Well, that is awesome, Thomas. Thank you so much for, wait one second, sorry. Uh, Dana, hang on, uh, Dana, give me, give me uh, one second. We're just wrapping up this interview. Awesome, Correct. 40 seconds. Well, Thomas, that is great advice, great information. I know all of our listeners will want to get in touch with you and pick up a copy of A Field Guide to Digital Transformation. How can they get a hold of you? Look me up on LinkedIn. Um, also, Architura Education is at architura.com. Transformative Digital, our professional services firm, is at transformative.digital. Well, thank you so much for joining us on Get Down to Business. Great conversation. I look forward to having you back real soon. And that's a wrap for us here on Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Get on my website, shalomkline.com. To success, let's get down to business. We'll talk to you next Sunday at 6 p.m. right here on AM560, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.